This week, our country hit one of its lowest points. I think we all recognize that. And um, not only have we hit a lowest point, but we've probably seen the highest place of division that we've seen maybe in our nation. And I've seen that it's spilled out into friends and families and has only deepened among some of our politicians. And you know what, I had my commentary ready. I've been thinking on it for three days. You know, um, I, I need to say something about what happened this week. I can't just walk on as if we have no idea what's happening in the world around us. And so I had a commentary ready, uh, thought about it for three days, wrote it up yesterday. And about an hour after it was done, feeling good about it, telling my wife, baby, this is going to be good. It's kind of like, you know, I never asked God what he thought. <laughs> and so I was like, Lord, is this where you want me to go? Is there something else? Even going to bed last night, Lord, is this what you want? I need to have your affirmation. And when I woke up this morning, actually the Lord took me a different direction and uh, kicked out my commentary and he led me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And let me read that to you. I love it when you hear from God rather than Pat. That's way more powerful. 1 Timothy. Uh, usually I mark them before I go there. Now I'm okay. Here we are. Chapter 2. First of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Then he goes on and talks about how Jesus has been sent to save everyone. Then he closes this section of verse 8 with this. This is the part that turned my head. I said, whoa, never saw that before. Therefore, I want men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension, without anger and division. Man, I've never been to a prayer meeting like that. I kind of thought, whoa. You know what it sounds like? It sounds more like a prayer meeting that looks like what we saw in Washington this week. And more like what we've seen throughout this last year, throughout the country, is there's been great anger and division among us. And we're to pray without wrath and anger. And I, I think there's a lot of, I'm, again, like I said, I've never been to a, a prayer meeting where it looks like that. But I will say this. I do know believers that even this week and throughout the year have had anger and wrath in their hearts. He's, I'm sorry, anger, wrath, and division in their hearts. And what he's talking about here is as we come to the prayer meetings, it's not that we divide on sides and hold up our signs. It's when we come, we need to come with a clean heart. We need God to clean up the anger that's in our heart and to break the divisions that we're feeling uh, in these days. If you're, an, if you're a believer listening at home or here this morning, and you're finding that you've got anger and division that's riding in your heart right now over the things that are happening in our country politically, 
Again, I'm not just talking about this week. The whole year has been a crazy year in that respect. I want to remind you of three things. First of all, don't forget what people without Jesus are really like. I love what Roy Patterson told us when he came and shared with us. They're not uncaged animals that need to be caged up. They're sheep without a shepherd. These are people that don't know Jesus. And what do you expect from people who don't know Jesus, who don't turn to Jesus and his ways to act like, especially at difficult times? So first of all, remember what happens in a country, <laughs> what happens with a person, what happens with a group when they turn from Jesus and head their own ways. Let me remind you of this too. The hope of the world is the church. It's not the Republican Party. It's not the Democratic Party. And we need to refocus on how to present Jesus to the world around us and represent him to those that we know. Not our own views about what's happening politically. We are the hope, guys. Not because we're something special, it's because God has chosen us, he's saved us, he's made a church, and, and we're here to present Jesus and his views. And, and I wanna say this, if you're struggling with anger and division in your heart as a believer, you've lost your ability to be part of the solution. You're part of the problem. James says this, the seed of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Never seen advancement come from two people arguing and fighting and screaming at each other and not listening to each other as they're trying to convince the other one how right they are. And so brothers and sisters in Christ, my, my word to Moraine Valley Church this morning, I think that God put on my heart through his scripture is, is that as we come to pray, what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray now for our country and for ourselves. And that's what is good and acceptable in God, not convincing people of our views, but as believers in Jesus Christ, walking as Jesus would have us walk with his life flowing through us, being part of the solution <laughs> rather than part of the problem. So let me pray. Would you join with me? God, you're the master of turning messes into something good. And I want to turn to you, Lord. I, I saw it in my own life. We've seen it in scripture. Uh, Lord, I want to pray that you would take this mess that's been happening in our country this year, and I want to pray that you would use this as a time for people to come to their senses and see where we're getting to. So Lord, I want to pray that you would even use this time to cause people to see the futility of trusting in their own wisdom or even politics. And Lord, that people would put their trust in Jesus. So Father, I want to commit this mess to you. I pray especially for our leaders in Washington, D.C., Lord, that the voices of the extreme fringes, whether they're Democrat or Republican, would be diminished. And the voices of the common sense middle, whether Democrat or Republican, would be raised, Lord. God, would you do something in this country to bring us back to what Timothy says so we can be a people who live in a tranquil and quiet life 
full of godliness and dignity. Father, I pray for those who are struggling in their heart that are believers. I ask you, Lord, that you would, uh, would your Holy Spirit, as you so gently do, put your finger on that anger and division in their hearts. And Lord, by your Holy Spirit, would you give them grace to set it aside. And then finally, Lord, I want to pray for us as a church. I want to pray for the individuals within this church, those at home listening, those that are here. That, Lord, that we would not take our lead and our opinions from the fringe extreme news broadcasters, TVs, papers, social media, that, Lord, where it seems the fringes have the loudest voices and add to the confusion. And there's contradictions and lies that constantly come out. Father, I pray that you would help us turn to your word and that we would be people that would take our guide from you and your word regarding how we're to live in these days. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. That was on my heart to share since this morning. <laughs> said God wiped out what I had to share. Wasn't that impressive anyhow. I get impressed with my own stuff, but nobody else does, but uh, you know how that goes. You know, there's many people who when they give their offering to the Lord, they do it more out of duty than delight. Yet the scripture says God loves a cheerful giver. So I've been asking myself, I said, God, what moves a person from being a person who gives out of the duty of stewardship, I'm supposed to do it to be a good Christian, to the place of the delight of generosity where I want to do it. And I was praying about that. I says, Lord, you know, I, I really don't know, the, how, what's the answer to this? It was one of those times where as, as I was praying, God kind of whispered back into my mind, First Chronicles 29. You can turn there if you have your Bibles. But he whispered that into my mind as I was praying. And so I said, I'm going to go back there and look at that. And as I looked at that passage, it connected exactly where I am in my life and ministry and the conversation that I was having on how do we move from the duty of stewardship to the delight of generosity. So as you're turning, let me give you the context. David was in the fourth quarter of his ministry, King David, and he saw an end to the ball game for him. He saw his young son, Solomon, was gonna be the king, and there needed to be a house for the Lord to be built. And so David, wanting his son to succeed and thrive, and he wanted to set everything up so that when his son became king, he could do this thing with great ease and success. And let me stop. You know why I connected there, guys? Because I guess I, I know I'm in the fourth quarter. I know I look like I'm only in my 30s, but I'm actually older than that. Shaving your head does a lot to make you look young at least younger, <laughs> but I know I'm in the fourth quarter and I know there's an end to the ball game and I have a heart and a burden for Moraine Valley Church to be in a place 
for whoever God brings in here next to be a place where it's gonna thrive. So my final days are days of let's make this place the best place ever. Not that it'll be, get to the best place it's ever been, but we can be a platform that we can, that God can do things through here that just are amazing. So I feel a lot like David when I looked at it. I says, wow, he has a heart like mine. And then I also, uh, as I looked at this, and I saw the context, what, what David did is he called all his leaders together to tell him what I just told you. Hey, guys, I'm in the end. My son's coming up. We got to get this thing done, sort of thing. So he called all his leaders together. And I, I kind of consider you guys the ones who come on Sunday mornings regularly, the ones who join us online regularly. You're kind of like our leadership team in many ways. So he called all his people together and, and, and uh, shared with them his burden for the future. And as you break down the structure of this text, it, it's very simple. King David gave, then he prayed. And let me say more than King David. King David gave. If you want to break it down in two words, it's about giving and it's about praying. King David gave first. Then some of his key leaders gave, then everybody else that was there gave. And then David went to the Lord in prayer and said, God, how can we give so generously as this except for everything we have comes from you and we're giving it back to you. And in this passage, matter of fact, when I read the first verse, I found out the answer as to what moves somebody from the duty of stewardship to the delight of generosity. I hope you're there. Let me read it. This is the answer to that big question that I was asking. Verse one, then King David said to the entire assembly, my son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is still young and inexperienced, and the work is great. And listen to the way he describes why the work is great. For the temple is not for man, but for the Lord. Did you catch it? You know what made it a great work? Because it was a work for the Lord. What makes any work great, not defined by North American measurements and standards, but defined by God is that it's a work from God, whether it's a big work or whether it's a small work. It's a great work when it's a work for the Lord, whether it's a church or whether it's an individual. A work is great when it's done for the Lord. That's what the scripture says. That's what King David said. The work is great because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord. Now we love to give to works that are great. We love to give to works that make a difference. And there's a lot of them out there. And there's a lot of places. I mean, there's causes, uh, hundreds. You get in your mailbox every day. Hear it on TV every day. People playing for money for their cause. But I am gonna tell you this. There is no cause greater in this world than a cause that's doing the work of the Lord. That's by God's definition. A great work is a work that's being done for the Lord.
And I want you to note in this passage how their giving was to the Lord. Uh, Look at verse two. Now with all my ability, I've provided for the house of my God. Uh, Verse three. Moreover, in my delight in the house of my God. Look at down in verse nine. Then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. Verse 14. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this for all things come from you and from your hand we have given to you. Let me just ask you a question. Is your giving to the Lord? Are you giving to a general budget? (laughs) Are you giving to a special project? Are you giving to a special ministry that you have a heart for? Are you giving to some materials or whatever? You follow what I'm saying? Or are you giving to the Lord? See, these guys, they, they, it, was a, it was about a building, but it was about God's house. And they saw their giving was to the Lord. And so these people, because they saw this was a great work, this is God's work. And they gave to the Lord. Did you know that Moraine Valley Church is a great work? We really are. And I'm not up here to brag about how great we are because we're not that great, to be honest with you. But we do great things because we're doing the work of the Lord. (laughs) That's reality. We are a great church, not because we're great, but because of what we're doing We're doing the work of the Lord and anybody that does the work of the Lord is doing a great work. You see, Moraine Valley Church is committed to following the mission that Jesus Christ gave us. That's the work of the Lord. Ava said it in the announcements earlier. What's our mission? To follow Jesus and to impact others. That's how we make disciples. We want to be wholehearted followers of Jesus. We want everything we do to help people love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their strength, with all their might. I just said that strength and might, didn't I? I meant to say mind and strength. And you know what? We're here to impact others. We want to help lost people come to know Jesus. And we want to help believers become more like Jesus and all of this to the glory of God. That's what makes Moraine Valley Church a great work. You see, what most people see at Moraine Valley is only the tip of the iceberg. The great majority of people that are connected with Moraine Valley only see the tip of the iceberg. That's the 10%. You know what that is? The Sunday morning service. That's all they know about they say, hey, that's not bad. They got some pretty good worship and the preaching's okay. We'll put up with it. You know, and so they they say that 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 isn't bad. So what most people see is the 10%. But guys, did you know that there's 90% of the ministry you never see that's happening with young people? It's happening with women. It's happening with men. It's happening with seniors. It's happening with everybody in between. It's happening beyond the walls. 
but we see the tip of the iceberg. Because during the week, I'm going to characterize what happens at Moraine. This is where the great 90% of our work is at. We're caring for people. That's what it means to shepherd. We're called to shepherd our people. Who's your flock? Are you caring for them? And there's people throughout this body that have different times, different seasons, different difficulties, different times they're needed. And we are here during the week in that unseen 90% caring up close for people personally with what's going on in their life. You know the other thing we're doing? We're discipling people. We, we, we are getting close with people, teaching them how to walk with Jesus and how to grow in Jesus and how to impact others. Every meeting, every program, every event is really has those two things behind it. You see, it's not about the programs, the events, and all that other stuff we do. They're really designed, and the ultimate goal is to see people transformed. That's what Moraine Valley is all about. That's what the 90% that you never see is happening constantly. It really is a great work because we're doing the Lord's work. I can tell you story after story, but I'm just going to tell you one story this morning, a transformation through this ministry. There was a couple, they didn't come to this church, they went to another church. Uh, they were having real troubles in their marriage. And uh, their mother came to this church and uh, called one of the pastors and said, would you speak to uh, my son and his wife? They're having some marital difficulties. So they came in, met with the pastor. It became clear that addictions were at the center. Some real serious addictions were at the center of causing this marriage to fall apart. But as, as the pastor and this couple talked, it became very clear that the husband on top of the addictions, even though he was a churchgoer, didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This really caused the wife's heart to be distraught. Not only am I dealing with addictions, now I'm dealing with a guy I thought was a believer and he's an unbeliever. So the pastor shared the gospel during that meeting. The man clearly understood the gospel and recognized that he was just trying to be good enough and religious enough and moral enough and that he never transferred his trust from himself to Jesus. And in that meeting, he did so. People began, that they started coming to this church. People began to invest in them. Ministries began to invest in them to address some of the addictions and some of the marital things. Different people were getting in their lives and investing in them. God was doing such amazing things in their life. They couldn't help but tell other people about Jesus. <laughs> It wasn't like I'm supposed to tell other people about Jesus because that's what Christians do. It's my duty. They were delighted and excited to tell other people about Jesus and what he was doing in their life because it was so radically transforming what Jesus did in their life. Well, today, actually the wife serves in one of our very significant ministries here and has been blossoming and impacting others for Jesus now. And the husband himself is being discipled actually by one of our pastors. 
And the pastor keeps telling me how exciting this guy is, how much he's growing and how much he's telling other people about Jesus constantly. The transformation in this family, this marriage was so big that they came here as a troubled marriage with addictions and an unsaved mate to actually this Christmas came up to me after a Sunday morning service says, Pat, God has so blessed us. I want to give you some money to find a couple families within the church that don't have the resources to enjoy Christmas and would you give that to them? Gave that assignment to Pastor Gary Olson immediately and Gary found a couple families. And guys, this is a picture. This is just a taste of what the work of Moran Valley Church is about. That's the 90% we never see, but it's the lives that are being deeply transformed that are being impacted that makes Moraine Valley Church a great work. And then when you go on in the text, again, that, that, that's the great work part. I want you to see real quickly, they gave joyfully and they gave generously. That's the reason, why, I gotta tell you what, guys, that's the reason why I joyfully and willfully give to Moraine Valley Church, and I know others, because they believe in the work that God is doing here. So look at verse three. I want you to note how they gave so generously and willfully. Verse three, moreover, in my delight in the house of my God, the treasures I have of gold and silver I give to the house of my God. Then he says this in verse six, is when the rulers gave, and they talk about the different ones who gave, and at the end of the verse says this, they offered willingly. Verse nine, look at this, I love this. Remember we told you it was David first, then it was some of the key leaders, then it was all the people there. Then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they made their offering to the Lord. With a whole heart, and King David also rejoiced greatly. Now let your eyes slip down to verse 17. Since I know, oh my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness, I in the integrity of my heart have willingly offered all these things. So now with joy, I've seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly. God loves a joyful giver. And we see this in this passage. These people are giving willingly because they're giving to a great work. They're giving to the Lord's work. And they gave generously, we see in this passage. Look at verse two again. Now with all my ability, I have provided for the house of my God, the gold for the things of gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, the wood, the oxen, the, the keep going on with a bunch of stones I can't even pronounce. But he gave that. But then look at what verse three says. Moreover, in my delight in the house of my God, the treasure I have of gold and silver, the treasure, that's kind of like his bank account. That's where he keeps all of his accumulations. The treasure I have of gold and silver, I give to the house of my God over and above 
all that I've already provided for the holy temple. Then in verse 14, note this again, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? This reminds me of Proverbs 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. Then he goes on to talk about God's promise to take care of you in an abundant way. But I want you to notice something. What is wealth? Wealth are our personal accumulations. It's our savings accounts. It's our investments, our retirements, it's our assets. That's what the wealth is. And, and David gave out of his treasury, his assets, his wealth over and above what he did as we see here in Proverbs 3.9, the first of all your produce. What's your produce? That, that, you know, this was an agricultural uh, nation. Produce is what they lived off of. This is what made their provisions. This was, as we would say, our weekly income that we give to the Lord. And so what David did is he gave according to all of his ability to what, what he gets to live off of, but over and above that he pulled into his wealth and he was delighted to give to the work of his God. I want to tell you about my journey to generosity. I don't know how many of you relate to it, but you know, God moved me from a place of the duty of stewardship to the delight of generosity. I just want to share with you how that happened. It's, it's my story. Some of you may connect with it, but as soon as I became a believer, one of the first things they told me, you know, I was a Marine saved out there, Camp Pendleton, going to church down in San Diego. And the first thing they told me is, Pat, if you're going to be a good Christian, you're supposed to give 10% of your income. Well, I wanted to be a good Christian. So I took on the duty of what I should do as a good Christian. So what I started to do was give 10% of my net income to the Lord. Now he said, what's net for those of you who don't understand those things? Net means uh, that, that's the money that I take home after the taxes and everything else is taken out. You follow me? So uh, I gave 10% of what I actually was my take-home pay, and I was doing my duty. Well, with time, people kept on hammering me with this. Pat, do you want a net blessing or a gross blessing? <laughs> In other words, you can pay God a little bit more to get a little more blessings from him. I mean, that's basically what that says, isn't it? <laughs> So I, I, I say, well, I definitely want a gross blessing. So I'm going to pay God a little bit more to get a bigger blessing. You know, I'm speaking facetiously, but that's what drove me. And that certainly is all immature, screwed up thinking. But I began to give 10% of my gross income to the Lord. So I, and if I had some missionaries, then I'd say, okay, 7% to the church, 3% to missionaries, so forth, so on. Well, we came to our stewardship program here about 13 years ago at Moraine Valley Church where uh, many updates in this buildings, additions, and things took place, and we had a stewardship campaign. And the Lord really led me to give 10% of my wealth. Never did that. Never tapped into my wealth ever 
in the past. It's always my produce kind of, the weekly income. And so what I did is I added up 10% of our possessions. I took 10% of our savings, 10% of our retirement, and 10% of the value of our home. And we said, we're gonna give this to the stewardship campaign. And there was a strange outcome that happened from that because those who know, um, I have a degree in accounting. Uh, that's what I was originally trained in. So you can imagine how to Pat Pegalo handle his finances. Man, I had a budget. I knew everything is coming in, everything is going out. 10% here, this goes there, I need that. I mean, I had everything figured out and I lived off that budget and that controlled my life and my heart. Well, when you give away 10% of your retirement and 10% of your total wealth, all your savings for my kids' colleges and weddings that were coming up, all my savings for uh, you know retirement time, the value of our house, that blows your budget, if you didn't know that. <laughs> that blows your plans. But it did something really good to me. It freed me up. And it filled me with joy. And it transferred my trust from the budget that I'm carrying moment by moment, week by week, day by day to make sure that we make it to saying, I got to trust Jesus to make it. Guys, you know what it did? It moved me from the duty of stewardship to the delight of generosity. Before I used to do this, I measured out 10%. See, here's the measure. Uh, this is a 15% measure. This is a 10%. This is a 5%. You follow me? <laughs> so I measured out 10% of what God brought into my life, and I took that 10%. I, I made sure, you know, it was down to, you know, if it was down to the 43 cents. <laughs> I took my 10%, and I took that, and I gave it to the Lord's work. But afterwards, with that new freedom and joy, guess what I do? I just go boom, boom. It's a whole different thing, man. It's a freedom. It's a joy. It's a delight because I'm giving to a great work. You see, before I gave, you know, the 10% thing, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you what Kim and I do now. We give beyond 10% of our gross. As God has moved us into this new area of generosity, I'm not going to tell you how much, but we give beyond 10% of our gross income to the church. On top of that, we support a number of missionaries. And on top of that, we help people who are in need or organizations that are in need. And I got to be honest with you, I know Kim's watching. If Kim was in control, we'd still be giving even more away. I still got a little bit of accountant in me. I go, baby, come on. We got you know, we, we to make sure we can make it first here. And so um, that's kind of where God has moved us from the duty of stewardship to the delight of generosity. Well, look at what David did after he gave. I want you to look at verse five. Talks about all these things that he had given. And then if you look about halfway through the verse five, David asks a question. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? 
than the rulers of the father's households, all the different leaders than they gave. You see, David asked the question, who's willing to join me in this? I like that word, willing. Not who feels the duty to. Not who feels the reason. Who wants to? <laughs> who wants to join me in this great work? Who wants to get in on this great opportunity? And that's what he asked. And all of a sudden, the, leader, the key leaders are saying, I'm in. I want to be in on this. So as Kim and I are aware, and maybe not everybody here, we know that last year was a, a difficult year for many people financially. And the church felt it as well. Matter of fact, our budgeted plans for the ministry, we fell 15% short. I don't know if we've ever been that short before in our giving when it comes to the budget. It was such a big shortfall that the leaders felt led that we have to cut our budget for this coming year. So we actually cut our budget by 7.5%. And even the leader said, with the hopes that maybe our giving will go up seven and a half this year as people willfully join in or maybe regroup on what's going on in their life. So Kim and I have made a decision that uh, we're going to increase our giving to what I'm going to call the transformational fund. Doesn't that sound better than the general fund? Because what we're giving is to transformation. We're giving to lives being changed for Jesus. I'm not giving to a general fund. I'm giving to a place that supports the place, the people, the programs, the materials we need to see people transformed. That's what excites me because it's a great work. And so Kim and I are willing and excited again to increase our giving by, by in my standards, a, a real decent amount again this year. I'm not gonna tell you what because I don't wanna manipulate anybody or anything like that but we're gonna give. And you know what we decide to do too? The equal amount of what we're increasing our giving, we're also gonna give the same amount to the Heart for the House Fund that began with our Christmas offering, which so many of you willfully and joyfully and generously gave to. As we're seeking as a priority in light of these days to retire our debt. And so every month, Kim and I are gonna increase our giving to... Um, the transformational fund, and we're gonna start giving. We hadn't done it before. There have been some individuals out of their heart, but we're gonna to start to take the same amount we're increasing, and we're gonna give that to the for the house fund. You know, I was in a meeting. We were talking about this in the fall, about the budget things and the money and the mortgage and all that. I'll never forget. One of the elders turned to me with all the pureness of his heart. He says, Pastor Pat, I didn't even know we had this fund. If you would have told me and asked me, I would have given to it. It's like, whoa. People don't even know about the fund. I mean, this guy's in leadership and didn't know about it. And he said, Pat, if you would have asked, I would have given. That's what David did to the people. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? So I want to ask those of you at home, and I, I, I want to tell you people at home, I thank God for you. It would be so easy for you to say, hey, we haven't been in the building. I'm done. I'm not giving. 
We've been carried by the giving of so many people, both here and online, uh, to continue the ministry we have. And I just gotta say thank you for what you've done. Thank you, church, here and at home, for what you did with our Christmas offering. I'd never been a part of an offering so big at Moraine Valley Church. As of, uh, you know, last Sunday, I think the information's in the bulletin. But I'm gonna ask you, would you join me and Kim this year in two things, increasing your giving to the general budget. For some, it's time to start. There's many who have not done so. It's time to start. Ask God, and this is the way I determine how much to give. Now, it isn't based on the uh, tithe. It's based on my joy. What's it gonna take to bring me joy? <laughs> I'm gonna give that much. What excites me? So I'm going to ask you to join with Kim and I this year, increasing or starting to give to the general fund as well as to the fund, which is called the Heart for the House to Retire Our Mortgage. Let me close with this. 2020, many people have taken a hit financially. We're aware of that. And again, part of our ministry is to care for our people. And we want to care for you in this respect so actually this year, we're starting a series of seminars slash webinars uh, to help our people financially. Our first one's actually gonna be next Sunday at 1 p.m. Uh, we're gonna do it online, so it's a webinar. Uh, that way people who in these days, as many are, are staying home and being careful. They don't wanna go out with the crowds. Uh, we have people who watch from all over the country, we found out different places. We want to afford everybody the opportunity to be a part of this. And um, so we're, we're offering a webinar next Sunday at 1 p.m. on spending. It's a spending workshop. It's the first one of a series. It's the place to start. You need to know uh, this has been put together by a bunch of people at Moraine who traffic in the area of finances. It's something that's been a burden or maybe for some it's a full-time job. And they said, how do we get together to help our people? So they've been meeting really for the last few months. This is the first product of that. As the materials, uh, you know, either they found as resources or created themselves, uh, they're gonna be teaching it and they're gonna be bringing materials for us. And I'm gonna tell you this. Kim and I are gonna go. Um, I got a degree in accounting. Pat, what are you going for? I, I, I'll give you the full story real quick. I, since I don't have a second service pushing on me, I'll take an extra minute or two. Somebody came up to me last week and said after my message, Pat, you know what the natural follow-up to this message, uh, message is? It's a class to teach people how to prepare their mate for when they die. I said, brother, guess what? I've been doing that already. And actually there's been a number of things I'm doing because statistics say usually women outlive the men. And I've run into women even at Moraine Valley who have struggled with after their mate died, just knowing what to do or where to go. And so I said, I can't leave my wife like that. So I've been working on a whole bunch of things that's not for this moment, but I am working on training my wife to take over our finances so that if, what, not if, it's appointed each one to die then the, when I die, unless Jesus comes back before, and I, I want to quit my wife. So I said, Kimmy, we got to go to this. I'm going to be at all of them. 
because I want to equip my wife as we have conversations now about handling finances uh, together as a couple. So I want to encourage couples. I don't know if it's the man, I don't know if it's the woman, I know in different families, but you know, whoever it is, you guys need to get on one page with your mate and both understand and prepare each other for whatever may happen. This is a great first step. How do you sign up? You can go to our webpage, morainevalley.church. You can find a link to sign up there. You got an e-bulletin for those of you that regularly attend or at home. There is a uh, link in there to take you to this. As you open up that link and read information, you'll find another link that tells you how you can sign up for this. Um, Or you can text the number that's gonna be put on the screen right now. Um, You can just send a text there. They'll send you back the information you need to sign up for it. Um, The cost is great though, $5. (laughs) Uh, we, we had to put a cost to it because we find people don't invest in what they don't pay for. So, uh, but we said, we don't, we don't want it. We're not here to rob anybody. We're here to bless the people of Moraine. We want to care for you. We want to care for you financially. We want to help you equip your families. We want you to thrive. And there's some wisdom, both biblically, uh, that we can gain and learn from these things. So I encourage you, join Kim and I and others in going to this next week. The only thing is you need to sign up by Wednesday yes, because we need to know how to prepare. So I encourage you and beg you, be a part. We want you to thrive personally. We want to see the kingdom of God thrive. And I want to remind you of this, guys. Moraine Valley Church is doing a great work. Not because we're great, because the work we do is great. I ask you to join Kim and I in increasing your giving to the Transformational Fund and to the Heart for the House Fund as the Lord gives you joy to do it and you're willing. And of course, the ability as well. God bless you guys. Father, a lot came at us this morning. Corona, politics, country, division, to our money. And Jesus, you said basically where our treasure is, there's where our heart will be. We're speaking about the things that are deepest in our heart. Lord, you tell us that you actually test us by these finances to see if we're trustworthy to handle greater and deeper spiritual things. So Father, I pray, would you make Moraine Valley Church and the people of Moraine Valley faithful in our use of stewardship, in the use of generosity. God, make us a people that moves from duty to delight in the way we serve you, whether it's with our hands, our mouth, or our dollars. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.